0: Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson, he's Andre Fernandez. How are you, Jerry?
1: I'm doing a lot better than the Marlins are, that's for sure, and I think that goes for you and pretty much everyone else that, uh, unless you're the Heat, and the Heat's still hurting from the the end of that season, the end of the season, end of the series, but what the Marlins are going through right now too. I mean, this is this could this is heading for a little bit of a dull uh, start to the summer here with uh, the developments on the baseball field and now the gut punch on the basketball court. I mean we got we gotta find something to look forward to. I don't know, dolphins offseason stuff. I mean, let, let's see let's see if the Marlins can turn this around a little bit, at least in the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, that would be the hope. I mean, after they got off to that great April, I think it was twelve and eight start there. At this point in May, they're 7-19 and 19 going into Tuesday, the final day of the month. No matter what, they're going to have the worst record in baseball for the month of May this season. Every other team going into the final day already has at least nine wins. So even if they win on Tuesday, they'll be 8-19. and 19.
1: And what that's, sucks is, yeah, yeah, what sucks is, like, even with the expanded playoffs this year, like, you know, again, back to being a little more, a little expanded, not quite COVID season expanded, but that's the only reason that, At least mathematically when you look at the standings you don't go oh crap look how far behind and it's still not and it's still pretty far even even with that even in the wild card if you look at the wild card standings it's not two games you know i mean there's already a bunch of teams ahead of them i mean they're as close to being buried early at this point as you can be barring a massive turnaround immediately and Signs aren't pointing to that right now, especially with injuries, you know, off and on and again happening. I mean, again, one of their most key pickups, Joey Wendell, we've talked about it, and it it seems like he just can't get over this hammy right now. And that's not good. I mean, we were talking about it before we started this right now, how how much it's kind of reminding me a little bit of, you know, unfortunately reminding me of the Prado year where it was like he'd rest a while, come back, boom, it would happen again within a few games. Rest a bit, come back, boom, and then they haven't really given him like a, a really extended amount of time to rest, like not like the way Prado did back then. Obviously, Prado was a little old, a little older at the time than Wendell is. But you and you and that's the dilemma. It's like, is it gonna take an extended absence? But then again, that's a, that's the problem. It's the catch twenty two. Then you don't want to have him on the shelf because he's so valuable for you, and just kills you if not having him in that lineup.
0: Yeah. Third time that Joey Wendell was dealing with uh, something with his right hamstring uh, back before their road trip to San Diego and Arizona. He, he sat for three games and then was fine. Then he went on the IL for, he was there for about two weeks before coming back. He's only been back a couple games. He's only been back, I think three or four games Yeah, and now it's, it tightened up on him again or he felt discomfort when he was flying in the second probably in their game on Monday against the Rockies yep. three times in a month is,
1: yeah, that can get
0: I can get scary if it keeps popping back up every single time he gets on the field or makes an aggressive run. He's one of the guys who is an aggressive runner every time he gets down the line.
1: Right. So it's
0: gonna be, it's gonna add up.
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing. You know, you want him to be the player he's capable of being, not a limited joy Wendell, because that doesn't do you no good either. So again, you're caught in that in between where either you shut him down and you lose him. Or you keep playing this game, but again, that's also has its own risks because you don't want to, f- you don't want it to become a more serious injury either for his own sake. You know, I mean, talking about just the individual himself, you don't want to hurt, get him seriously hurt as well. So, I mean, not good news because it, it, it just it, it gives you the sense that we're headed for a an extended shutdown here at some point to see if he can get get himself right, and that yeah. will only compound their issues on the field.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you already look at the rest of the injuries they've had. I mean, Brian Anderson right now is dealing with back spasms. He hasn't played in the last, I think it's three days now, two or three days. Uh, Jazz Chisholm Jr. is come, just coming back from a hamstring injury. Yeah. Uh, John Bertie's just coming back from COVID. And then you look at the flip side, you look on the mound, they're dealing with stuff of the rotation. Again, yeah. Jesus Lizardo is going to be out a lot longer than the team anticipated. When he was originally kind of put in the IL mill of the month, they said, "Yeah, maybe he'll miss one or two turns with all the off day stuff with a forearm injury." It's just you never risk rushing them yep. back, and you yep. know, and especially when it got to the point where at the start of this road trip, which is basically when if he was gonna be back, he would have been throwing bullpens or right. whatnot. When they said, "Yeah, he's still not throwing," and right. then at oh, the yeah, end of the Atlanta, trip, at the end of the Atlanta part of the trip, was like, "Yeah, he's still not throwing." When Island's like, yeah, he's still not throwing. You can do the math. How long it's been? He's gonna have to get built up. It's a lot worse. It's not as it's not as good as we expected.
1: I, I remember, I think I was there the day that I was doing one of my spot starts for you that day, and I was like, this wouldn't shock me if it's a little more than they think, just because the way forearm injuries can be. And look,
0: yeah. Yeah. Now, so you have that on top of Cody Poteet, who basically served as that spot guy in Lizardo's spot. He's now on the IL with right elbow muscle injury, which basically means the Marlins have to call a guy up and it's looking very like, and it's not official yet, but it's looking like certain prospect by the name of Edward Cabrera is going to be making a season debut yeah. in the big leagues at some point during this Rockies year. They, Tuesday would be the most likely sense, which again, if it is Tuesday, that's talking to today, the day this podcast comes out or Wednesday to close out the road trip, but he's going to have to start one of those two spots or, or they're going to go bullpen day, which their bullpen at this point, is not in shape to to do a bullpen day. Mm -hmm. So Edward Cabrera, it after, and again, with Edward, it was a slow start for him because he had the right bicep muscle fatigue right around opening day. He, got, he was a slow start into, into the minor league season. He's made, I think, five or six starts in AAA now. His second-to-last one was really good, 11 strikeouts over, I think, six innings through 100 and some pitches. Uh, but, again, there's still some concern. Is he fully back to 100%? Is he fully where he needs to be to be the Edward Cabrera that they were hoping he would be when he got called up last year? The guy with the great stuff, the 100-mile-an-hour – our fastball the great off-speed stuff we're gonna we're gonna see he's gonna most likely get thrown into the fire very very soon
1: yeah and that's the thing you have someone that is clicking on all cylinders at the top of the rotation right now in all-star form the way sandy's been pitching but i mean to think edward could just come in and just be that good i mean i don't know i mean he could maybe the first time he could come up and, and maybe he's lights out against the Rockies. But we were talking about a guy who's still in his developmental phase and, you know, could have his ups and downs. But it is good from that sense to finally get him up, to finally get him back and, you know, continue that whole progression too because, you know, we're, we're at the point now where we're getting into that territory where this season is going potentially that route where it's again about, you know, seeing what you got in guys, developing guys, et cetera, et cetera. And no one, you know, no Marlins fan has been waiting five years or more to for this team to to take a leap. Wants to hear that, but nineteen and twenty-seven. You know, that's a fact of life right now.
0: Yeah, definitely is. And again, then when you look at some of the other spots for in terms of starting pitching, uh, again, I know I see it all. My mentions a lot, especially every fifth start when Eliezer Hernandez is on the mound. Now these two injuries with Lazardo and Pote on top of what we're seeing with the injuries in the minors. Again, remember, Max Meyer is hurt. He still isn't fully back into. he's just starting his throwing program. Six O Sanchez is still in the middle of his throwing program. Who the heck knows when he's going to be ready? Uh, Jordan Holloway's is hurt. Uh, Braxton Garrett just got off the minor league IL, his last start on Sunday. He threw five innings, five scoreless innings, but they took him out to 55 pitches. Yeah. So you're at the point where, Outside of Edward, who is going to have to fill in the Lizardo spot, you really don't have an MLB caliber or potential MLB caliber guy ready. If you wanted to, if the Marlins did say, "Hey, we want to make the move to we will move Elias Grant to the bullpen and call up a guy," they really don't have those guys. That starting pitching depth that they rely on and talk so much about a lot of it's hurt, and yeah. that's where you talk about having those layers and all those different as much depth as you can because look at the situation they're in right now. And it's literally, you only really have five or six options at this point And it's tough to try to maneuver through that.
1: And, and why are we shocked by this in a way? I mean, I'm not saying you, yeah, we are, but the short spring. Yeah. I go back two months. I mean, we knew this was going to happen around the league. It was going to happen to a lot of teams where it was going to hit some harder than others, but yeah, I mean, we're seeing the, we're we're seeing some of the co- some of the, the effect of that right now of you know just the the rush to play they rushed to the season and and now it seems to be taking that extra toll I mean you're going to have injuries regardless but i feel like that the extra amount that you're seeing not just on the pitching side but on the position player side too and it's hit them pretty hard now more than more than usual but yeah i mean it's alarming when now it's even seeping into that part of it where the pitching is their strength, right? So now you're running out of, you're running out of arms or at least quality proven guys that you go to and know. And now you have to start tapping into that organizational depth where a few more unknowns, you know, whether it's a prospect, whether it's just a, you know, an org depth guy that you bring up, you know, to have someone, but it's not, again, not, not ideal scenarios by, by any stretch.
0: No, nope. no, it is not. And then just to look, zoom out a bit, and look just big picture at where the Marlins stand. Again, we're talking about the 7-19 record this month and the 19-27 overall. When you look at their May by the numbers, it's kind of funny to see where they stand. I mean, if you look in the month of May, the Marlins have basically been middle of the road in terms of where they stand in the big leagues. Thirty-one homers, tied for 13th in the big leagues. Their 700 OPS is 16th. Their 242 batting average is 16th. Their 3.93 ERA is 15th. Their whip at 1.27 is 14th. Their 236 batting average against is 10th. And yet, seven wins to show for it. And it's just uh, one of the one guy, one member of the front office who I talked with on one of the recent road trips. The word that he used to describe just the month of overall is befuddling. It's you see different aspects of the team showing up, but you don't see everything coming together on the same day. It's one day you'll see the offense really take off, but it's on a day where the starting pitching collapse and you're down five nothing before the offense got going. Or you see the days where Sandy and Pablo are going lights out and, they, and the offense is barely able to scratch across a run.
1: Like like Monday, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like Monday where Pablo Lopez throws six scoreless. Jesus Sanchez hit a ball that I'm pretty sure is still somewhere in orbit. And then Cole Solcer in the seventh inning just – yeah. And then Cole Solcer in the seventh inning just choked it all up in the span of, what, four or five batters? And it's – again, you see it's like you'll see two aspects of everything working, and then the third ends up just completely – negating everything that you see from it and it's a matter of is everything going to come together and if so is it going to come together in time before they have to start making decisions about what direction they're going to go with the rest of the season
1: my thing is where 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 some of these clutch hitting numbers stand because it is if it's is it still middle of the pack but some of them have to be lower than it's
0: not even middle of the pack anymore and that was going to be the next point of yeah again you see the again like the 700 ops 242 overall batting average their runners in scoring position numbers have gotten even worse. It's 220 now, 27th in the league. And it's because, and I've talked about this with uh, Christina DeNicola, the Marlon greater at MLB.com in the press box. Almost every time we see them get a runner on first and second with no outs, instead of trying to just do basic baseball, do move guys station to station, scratch across a run or two, everybody seems to be going for the three run home run, even when they're down six runs, thinking a three run home run is going to give them seven runs on the board. And it's a, the the fundamentals of just finding a way to either get a get a simple base hit or get a ground out to the right side. that will get the runners from first, second, to second and third, or just find ways to be more simplistic with it instead of just going all out and ending up striking out and stranding your guys, which has been the case more often than not.
1: But that's what happens when a lot of the guys in your lineup have always been kind of the all or nothing type hitters too. And that's, you know, that's what sucks in a way because, you know, when you're left with kind of, again, going back to the to the off season, it's a, I'm not saying it would have happened, but it's a shame that a certain South Floridian wasn't assigned to come down here, which I don't know, maybe he could have generated a little more consistent bat. In the lineup that they need right now, maybe on, I think may-
0: I think the guy you're talking about just homered because we're talking about them all, uh, on something right now. Well, there you go. <laughs> there,
1: there you go. I mean, with their with you know with the luck that they've had, I mean, maybe he gets hurt too. I don't know, but I just feel like that whole two for the that whole one for the, what was it two for the price of one or, or yep.
0: rationale. Yep.
1: I don't know, and I don't I don't think so. I mean, that that could have been. That was the big splash, and and again, it didn't happen. What's done is done. But that would have been a good that would have been good at this point. I'm not saying it would have cured everything, but it might. You, these numbers might not be as bad had he been there and that had it not been, you know, Mr. Castellanos. If people haven't figured it out by now, you know, I yeah. think that would have made a big difference in the in in the lineup. Overall, it would have been a little bit better than, than, than in the dire straits that it's been because this team, more often than not, I mean, I'm sorry, it's just they, they, they can't hit when it counts. And that's the recurring trend. I, I know, I know, I get it. And, and that tends to happen where one half of the equation disappears one day and another, another day. That happens. But this team, the the, the repetitive problem is that. They just, they're just not in general. With a few exceptions here and there, just do not hit when it counts more often than not. And that's what's killing them. That's what, that's at the root of the many things that are killing them this season. That's what, that's the, to me, that's definitely the biggest one.
0: Yep, and now they're at the point where after this horrendous May, they've got a jam-packed June that's basically gonna determine where they go from here. After they finish the series with the Rockies, they play all but three days next month. They have <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have a six game homestand with Sam or a seven game homestand after that with four games against San Francisco and off day, then three games against the Nationals. And then this lovely three city road trip of three games against Houston, three games against Philly, and then finally facing the Mets for the first time this season with a four game stretch with an off day mixed in there. And then three more games. Yeah. Philly
1: Philly. Philly could be fine because they tend to do well against the Phillies, but yeah, between the AL contender and then the team that's on fire in the division right
0: now. Yeah. Yeah. And again, they're going to face the Mets twice within a three series span. It's, they the, yeah. they close out that that road trip against them, and then their final home stand of the month is three against Colorado, three against the Mets. Yeah, and they're back now on the road have
1: have All the meetings with the Mets all in a compressed amount of time. Yeah. So get, yeah, get no, ready to see, just, get ready to see the red and blue over and over. You know,
0: well might luck out for the Marlins on Orange the side of blue, the sorry. fact that there's no Scherzer and no Degrom. That might be their one saving grace. But
1: sorry, yeah. Mr. Gator here. You know, his uh, similar colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. but um,
0: but yeah, but no, it's. This month, by the end of July or end of June, going into July, we're gonna we should know one way or the other what direction the the season's gonna be going. Oh yeah, you're gonna be sick of
1: the Mets by by July because here come here come all the games against them.
0: Yeah, in June again, we're gonna see them seven times in the span of ten days. Yeah, and then see them twice more in two more series in July. How I don't get when the schedule makers knowing that division games are gonna be you're facing divisional opponents nineteen times each. How does a team not how how do you not face one of your divisional opponents until mid June?
1: Well, this is the last year of that. Yeah, next season we're gonna have which I like. I, I hate this nineteen times. It's too much. Mm-hmm. Like I like the fact that next year they're gonna shuffle it around where you can kind of play everybody, which is cool. Yeah. You get more of the rare matchups now more often than you used to. But yeah, but no, yeah, yeah you, you lessen that whole thing.
0: Yeah, gain the face again. I. I appreciate getting the fact that they're going to be able to face every AL team each year and then just alternate the home road. Who's on, who's home, who's on the road. Also expedites my hope of getting to all 30 ballparks before, over the next couple of years. I'm nine away. Once I get to Oakland, I'll be eight away and they're all eight are in the American league. So I'm still in the
1: same boat, man. I'm still at seven after I had to jump off the beat a couple of years ago, but maybe, maybe in spots I can, I can gain ground too. Now that this is, Gonna be the case.
0: Yeah, right? the way this working, if things work out by twenty twenty four, I'll be at all thirty until Oakland moves to like Vegas or something. I have to redo number thirty. I'll redo
1: thirty again. Yeah, when they when the A's start playing right, right next door to the Raiders, mm-hmm. you'll have to go out there and you know spend the week on the strip. Uh, not a week. Spend the if you spend the week on the strip, we might lose you. I mean, out there, huh. it, it's only supposed to be a three or four game series. <laughs> you'll be like, what are you doing out there?
0: Uh, I guess I'm gonna become a. I'm gonna become one of those big Vegas guys like Tommy Pham. So. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Or it's so, in
1: September. Or it's in September. You can wait for a Raiders game on the weekend or something.
0: There we go. Double double up. Yep. Again, I've already done done a couple of double ups year. with game four of the Heat with the Hawks, gained the help with the Panther Swan song before covering the Rays series. Mm. Which I'm telling you, Tampa, again, just the quick aside here. The Lightning, they got a chance to three P here. That was an
1: incredible
0: yeah. showing out there.
1: They could, they should already be on a three P. They blew it the first season and that year they looked amazing. And now this could be four in a row right now, the way they're going. But yeah, and then wait till football season when now Brady's back, you know, his just kidding retirement. I mean, Tampa's all over it right now.
0: Yeah, no, it's going to be, it's going to be fun up there. But in the meantime, uh, let's wrap this up on On RN. Yeah, yeah, let's wrap this up on RN and let's do some minor league stuff. We talked about how the big league clubs looked in May. Uh, For my minor league piece this week, I broke down just some standouts from the minor leagues hitter standouts, both good and bad, from the month of May. And the first two guys that really stood out to me on the positive side, got to give some kudos to to Griffin Conine. Uh, This month so far, and obviously, they also have one more game on Tuesday, so these numbers are going to fluctuate slightly. But heading into the final day of the month, 300 batting average, 18 for 60, five home runs, 17 RBI, 10 runs. 1025 OPS, which is which leads all qualified Marlins prospects for the month, hmm. and then first baseman Troy Johnson, who's a guy who I liked a lot with what he did in Beloit yeah, last year. Guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah what I did when I saw him in Beloit, or when I watched his numbers in Beloit last year, uh, he's right now 291 on the month, 11 RBI, 10 runs, and he's right now he's on a 12 game hit streak going back to May eighth, 373 batting average in that span, multiple hits in each of his last four games. He's one of those guys who was kind of under the radar, but he's going to be one of their he's one of the first base depth guys right now. He's basically outside of potentially Harar and Karnassian, who found. Yeah, he's prospect who hasn't debuted in the big leagues yet. Latewin obviously is the yeah. guy waiting in the wings, but Troy is probably the guy who's right behind who's right he's, behind he's- him.
1: Yeah, he's one of those guys where the position, the lack of depth at a position kind of, you know, helps him out, where, you know, he's he's not aware of somebody where they're like seven deep at another spot. So that could, that could facilitate his rise, like you're saying. You know, a little bit of an under-the-radar guy still, but starting to not be as much, because you're starting to hear his name more and more often, which is cool for his sake. I saw you had a few more guys here, including uh, an old fave, uh, Nassim Nunez. Mr. That's Speedy, good. defense Will first, Nas. Nunez. You know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, Nas, doing I little, mean do a little more in Beloit lately.
0: Yeah, yeah. Again, the, the C Nunez, he's been a glove first guy, speed guy. Defense is his pri is his primary, and what's going to carry him through.
1: But with the bat's coming yeah, along yeah, this
0: month. Bit. It's finally we're finally starting to see some some of the bat up there in Beloit. He uh, two seventy nine with eleven stolen bases and twelve runs scored this month. This past week though. 364 batting average with five stolen bases. I'm I don't have this for sure, but I'd have to assume that's probably one of his best offensive stretches of a five six game stretch that he's had in in Pro Bowl at this point. And it's, it's to see that, is, is, yeah. it's good.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, again, any anything you can get, you know, any progress he makes on that front, just to complement the other tools that that he brings, is a good sign for sure. And yeah, I mean, I don't remember seeing. I mean, it'd be, it'd be nice to dive a little more into just beyond the average, but that—that's good. That shows he's making some good contact. He's hitting well so far. It's a good step for him, and I think you know, he's one of the, he's still one of the one of those very athletic type prospects that they they've liked for a long time and they have hope for. So we'll see. We'll see if he can keep it going.
0: Yeah, and then two other under the radar ish position players. Cody Morissette, their second-round pick last year out of, I believe it was Boston College. Uh, uh, Mm. Middle infielder, also plays some third base. 828 OPS up in Beloit as well after having a 188 batting average in April. Four home runs, 16 ribbies, 14 runs in 23 games. He's leading the Skycarp right now with six home runs, 24 RBI, and 22 runs scored. Again, he's one of those more utility infielder-type guys, but he's shown some flashes here and there. He impressed a little bit that he got to do last year after getting drafted so some good signs from him and then outfielder brady allen fifth round pick last year out of south carolina uh single for single a jupiter he led the hammerheads this month with a 268 batting average four home runs and 19 rbi and just to say on the position player side and but on the flip end of it khalil watson After lighting it up his first month, 941 OPS, 18 RBI, five runs scored. His May finally, it was a come to earth moment for him. He only hit 170, it was 15 for 88. But the number that really is raising a flag for me right now, 39 strikeouts in basically 90 some plate appearances. And only three extra base hits out of his 15 base hits, two doubles, one home run. That's that 39 strikeout mark, that's that was the one that made my eyes bug out a little bit when I started putting the piece together.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I mean, there's going to be patches like this, you know, and, and guys are going to just have to adjust. I mean, to me, it's the, it's, it's the bounce back, assuming he bounces back, you know, in the next couple of months. I mean, to me, it adds a little layer to it, you know, because we've heard so much about the phenom and, You know the talent and the tools and everything okay now let's see how he responds to some real adversity and and that and that sort of thing because then you then you'll then you'll be able to tell a little bit more about him you know over the next couple months so i'm curious to to follow that it's actually something to me it's kind of like even more interesting now like let's see how these next couple months now during the summer how he handles it and how he kind of bounces back from this
0: yeah definitely and then uh to go on the mound Uh, Yuri Perez, again, the 19-year-old, doing it again. Finally threw six innings in a start in Pro Bowl for the first time ever uh, in his last start out. Five strikeouts, three hits, one walk, no runs. And over the month of May, he only got to make three starts because Pensacola last week basically didn't get to play because the Biscuits, I forget what city they're in, but their mascot name is fantastic. Yeah, go Montgomery Biscuits. Uh, They had a COVID issue, so they're basically – I think they got one game in last week overall, and it wasn't Yuri's scheduled day, so he only got three starts this month instead of four. But still, in those three starts, he had a 2.12 ERA this month, four earned runs on 10 hits and four walks with 20 strikeouts over 17 innings. And this was after, again, we talked about how his first couple starts we had that acclimation period, he finally seems to have started to settle in, which – was that key to finding out when he was going to settle in and when he did, would it be consistent? And so far through these last four, once he finally started getting into this group, it seems like he's getting there.
1: Definitely. I mean, I think it's definitely encouraging. Again, the longer he gets some of these starts, the more he, he gets to, you know, to kind of go, like kind of last more in starts, the more experience, the more, you know, the more time he can, the more situations he can handle just the better I mean, he's only 19 and again he's like the one we're we're talking about him because he's only 19 and you see the big frame you see the you know the potential tools there but again these are these are big steps and, and encouraging spots to see and on a much less important basis i can't believe you forgot the montgomery biscuits with the uh with the, i with got great, biscuits. Yeah.
0: i got biscuits that's at least with a great that's with, name
1: is the, that is a, the key that, there with that amazing logo with the eyes and the p- – yes. the, the, the logo even has the piece of butter on the biscuit, yes. which is hilarious. But what mm-hmm. are the, the great minor league baseball nicknames and logos out there? At some
0: point on one of these episodes, we're going to have to just do a minor league ranking of nicknames. At some point, yeah, we're we gonna- should.
1: Yeah. I mean, hey, 19 and 27 and spiraling. Yeah. If it keeps spiraling, we're going to get to the point of the only the, – you know the people that listen to this are gonna are gonna need some kind of entertainment other than the depressing numbers we're giving them. Yeah, you know theme, at this so. point,
0: anyone listening, we're taking write-in submissions now to start for our for our ballot to start ranking. So anybody, again, uh, again, you can send it to us via email, email, Twitter, D- Twitter, however however you want to do a comment on the store on the story on the Herald website right. that has the podcast link to it. However you want to submit it to us, we're we're all ears.
1: And we know about the biscuits and the trash pandas already, so so surprise us with a few we maybe we've never heard of.
0: Or some that we did and or we're some gonna go we back. Just and, love. Or some that we're gonna go back to go, oh right, that's still there. That's still a name. Right. Yeah. Or even if you yep. want to give us throwback names from some of the defunct teams that that have gone away now. I mean, we'll take those as well.
1: Like like the isotopes.
0: The isotopes. Oh the isotopes. Yep. All right. I think that's a good place to stop this week, Andre. I think we I think we yeah. got to we got to a good stopping point here. If
1: we're if we're down to talking about the, the Albuquerque freaking isotopes, I think I think that we should call it a week.
0: Yep. So with that that's going to do it for this week's episode of Fish Bites. Thanks as always for tuning in everyone. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. We'll be back next week.